I think you hit it right on, right on the nail of the head. Hi, this is John Nelson. This is Jimmy Maurer. Hi, I'm Andre Zanoda, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. Hello and welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker Texas. In this episode, we'll be catching up on the latest FC Dallas and NTSC news, breaking down the 2-2 draw against Vancouver, and taking a brief look forward at the upcoming schedule. Uh, I am your host today, Jonathan Roz. Uh, Dustin and Tristan are off sitting uh, sitting on a beach somewhere or doing something, uh, doing something fun. Uh, but joining me is our resident FC Dallas and NTSC soccer writer, uh, Nico Mendez. How are you doing, Nico? Doing pretty good, Jonathan. Already, what, first week of July? Been pretty busy, but we're here. You're sto- stoked up for some uh, FC Dallas talk and you've, you've oh. got your... Uh, Definitely got my fill of fireworks, both in the lab with my ion beams and also real fireworks. So we didn't burn down anything, which is a plus. <laughs> that, that is that is always a, a plus. Uh, all right. I, I figure we can get a, get started with just a, a quick catch up on some FC Dallas related news. Uh, the first thing that, that's happened since the last podcast is uh, we've got the, the Gold Cup squads were announced for... Uh, by the U.S. men's national team, and there were no FC Dallas players on it. Uh, Nico, is that good or bad? You know, that's a good question. Um, I want to say John Arnold of the Striker Texas asked Lucci that question uh, earlier in the week during the media press conference. And Lucci was kind of of two two minds on, on that. He kind of talked about how it's part of FC Dallas's model and him as a coach coming from with his academy background that he wants the players to go on and compete at these high levels because it's good for their their personal development and progression as a and for their careers, but also um, it kind of good for the club overall. Um, so, it, but at the same time, given the struggles that FC Dallas has faced, uh, a lot of those players that Lucci. Uh, might have lost given in a normal year where they weren't injured, uh, i.e. Jesus Ferreira or Paxton Pomichol. Um, just given the club struggles, that it, it's good that he, at least he has those players that he can kind of rely on given the struggles that FC Dallas is currently in right now as they're trying to gain some sort of momentum and trying to solidify a game plan that will help them grind out results. So kind of a kind of bittersweet right he's a little disappointed that well you know we don't have a lot of players uh going but um he is glad that he's going to have a core the uh a, a good a good roster kind of going into the summer yeah and i think you hit on a key thing with the with the injury my guess is if um paxson who's still you know really playing limited minutes and jesus just now coming back from injury and being able to, to go 90 I think if that hadn't happened, I would not be surprised if if one or or both of those guys got the call up. I mean, especially looking at the rest of this U.S. men's national team roster, it's it is very MLS heavy, right? Um, and it's you know they they didn't they didn't pull in as much of the I wouldn't go so far as to say it's like a a B squad, right? But um, there's definitely some big names that you would expect. Uh, you know, if you had just watched the 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 you know prior men's national team senior kind of tournament there's there's quite a few names that are missing from from that uh from that group that are going to be in this next gold cup roster 
Um, but I agree with you, man. It's probably it's a positive thing for the club, um, especially looking at kind of what a key you know Jesus has been for uh, for this club over the last couple of matches. Uh, if he was going away, uh, that'd be a big impact. The one player who is, however, going away is uh, Acosta. So Acosta is uh, going away. Uh, for the was a Honduras national team, and he will be gone. I, I expect he will be there for the match, uh, the FC Dallas match against the Galaxy coming up this uh, later this week. Um, but you know, we'll miss at least one or two matches uh, while he takes off with the with the national team. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's arguably FC Dallas's best player right now, and it's kind of hard to replace someone who's been so pivotal. Uh, kind of helping out on the defense, but then also linking with his uh, long ball passing and then kind of being playing a supporting role within the attack. So that's definitely going to be hard to replace. And uh, you would expect that with, with Acosta gone, you uh, would probably reinsert Tanner Tessman, but that also might not be the case for FC Dallas. Oh, oh, for sure not. That was the other big piece of news. Uh, so if if you hadn't seen, uh, there's some reports that came out. I think it was uh, Jeff Carlisle from uh, uh, ESPN that originally reported it, that there's been kind of multiple sources indicating that uh, Tasman may be making a move. Uh, potential proposed fee kind of in excess of, of $3 million. Uh, he'd be going to a... Uh, uh, Venezia side uh, that was just recently promoted to, to series a. Um, and so it's nothing's, nothing's done, but uh, you know, when the, when the club was lining up on the, the, the fourth match, uh, Tessman was an obvious, uh, you know, wasn't on the bench, wasn't, wasn't starting. And in fact, uh, was seen by a couple of people that I know across the street uh, at Jake's Burgers before the match, getting a getting a burger with some friends. Uh, so uh, the he obviously uh, wasn't wasn't participating. I think uh, John Arnold also had asked something about uh, what's what was the reasoning for that, and I can't remember the specific answer, but it was something cryptic that. Yeah, we were told we needed to hold him out just in case. And uh, I think you can insert that just in case, uh, you know, just in case of injury, they don't want to do that while they're uh, in the middle of negotiations with uh, with with another club. So uh, it, it will open up the opportunity for for somebody else to take that spot. Um, maybe it uh, maybe we'll actually get a little uh, Edwin Cirillo uh, over over the, the Gold Cup break or. You know, there's obviously this is at least one area that FC Dallas has has a ton of depth in. Um, and so it's it's good thing for 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 Tanner. I know a lot of people will be upset, but I think a lot of us also assume that he would be very likely be the the next player to go other than, you know, maybe this uh, Justin Che guy who's uh, been starting for FC Dallas the last couple of matches. So, <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, uh, I mean. So with uh, Venezia FC kind of just getting promoted to Serie A, I want to say that they've, within five years, have gone from Serie D to Serie A just within five years. So that going up four, four tiers within the Italian uh, soccer pyramid is pretty impressive themselves. Uh, pretty uh, nice kit too. I noticed that the, their their kit was making the rounds and people were <laughs> pretty impressed with that as well. I mean, and then for Tanner himself, within three years, going from the academy to this first team and then a p- possible transfer on into Italy, where it seems to be the destination for FC Dallas players at the current moment, that in uh, <laughs> Germany. But um, 
kind of kind of good for for Tanner Tessman on that regard. I think um, with Serie A kind of just being a a bit more of a defensive league, uh, kind of really emphasize it's you know the Italian style of soccer, um, but it's also growing within uh, within kind of the soccer world. It seems like Serie A is also kind of making a a revival back to kind of their glorier days from I want to say the it's before my time. I want to say the nineties. Uh, is when uh, the 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 Serie A was kind of like the uh, the league, like how the Premier Premier League is today. Um, but kind of good for Tanner. It, it, like you d- you did kind of hint at that FC Dallas does have a really uh, deep deep roster when it comes to the midfield. So I know that Brandon Cervenia kind of replaced his spot, Tanner Tessman's spot on the bench. So Brandon might get some opportunity game time there. Uh, do you see Paxton kind of return to the midfield? Do you see Andres Ricarte return back to the midfield? Uh, with Jesus kind of really seems to have locked up that 9-10 role. Um, and a lot of questions on who, or if you want to go two sixes with Edwin and Facundo, uh, could also be great for Edwin uh, right there as well. So kind of not too much that FC Dallas fans should be worried about, but there's a nice different possibilities and combinations that Luchi Gonzalez can kind of go with within the midfield. For for sure. Um, going into the match on the, the, the 4th of July. Uh, well, first of all, you know, the, the atmosphere was great uh, as, as expected. Uh, you know, I was attending in person and as expected kind of, uh, you know, it's always one of FC Dallas's Oftentimes, only true sellouts uh, during the year. Uh, this year was really no exception. I think that the official uh, attendance was a little over 19K, uh, which is pretty close to capacity, just looking at it from an eyeball test. Uh, was a was a, was a a fairly rocking crowd. Um, and I think early on, FC Dallas gave them a good show. Uh, first off, you know, not a lot of surprises when the uh, – when the – you know the the starting eleven came out. No no changes. I think Lucci often does that when he's uh, coming off of a match where they get a win. Uh, he tries to roll out the same eleven unless there's you know a specific reason to make a change. Um, I guess tell us a little bit, Nico. I guess from from your view, I guess can you want to take us through through that first half and some of the things that you saw? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, like you like you hinted at the something that Lucci had talked about in his post-match press conference was just how what the atmosphere was like how the crowd really brought the energy and that was kind of ev- uh, evident with them on the field and you know good strong sh- uh, start kind of a uh, quite quite a lot of shots too within that first half in particular um and you know ricardo pepe had two quick shots where um uh crepo kind of <laughs> had that nice double save uh double save but it, it you know third time was the charm for pepe and he got that 12th minute goal, um, which was, let's see, if I remember from the broadcast correctly, they said that that was FC Dallas's first headed goal of the season as well. So, you know, Pepe kind of (laughs) also getting a bunch of records at the current moment, um, which is good for him. And then FC Dallas were looking really confident up until Vancouver, uh, Vancouver's Lucas Cavallini got their goal in the 30th minute. Uh, kind of off of a really unfortunate um, missed clearance from Brisson um, and the cross was played in. So, And then after that, it, it seemed like FC Dallas had kind of regressed. They became really cautious with just their tempo, their speed, their passing style. And, you know, right before going into halftime, Andy Rose, you know, gave Vancouver that that lead. Um, 
with the head across or from off the with the header off the corner kick and also some some uh, interesting defending to say the least. So you know, good start, but definitely not the finish that FC Dallas would have wanted within that first half. Yeah, it definitely seemed like the first you know up up until that goal um, by by Vancouver was pretty much all FCD and you would see what they, what Lucci wanted them to do offensively. Um, Nelson was getting up quite a bit on the left-hand side. There was, they were doing a lot of builds on the left hand, um, but overall the attack was seemed fairly balanced. Um, even, uh, even Che was, was kind of pushing up and uh, uh, almost, almost playing as a winger. Sometimes it looked like when you looked at, at his positioning. Uh, and so, you know, overall they, created a lot of opportunities uh yeah one of them was converted and then yeah it took you know a bad giveaway in the midfield uh and then you know a a, a bad clearance by Brisson, and all of a sudden yeah like you said the the team looked deflated from then on and there was kind of a a dip in performance for the rest of the half oh for sure and that was what lucci said he goes after after we conceded we had those 20 minutes so basically up till the <laughs> the half where the they they were just kind of regressed right they 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 weren't going at the at the at the speed and the intensity that you know FC Dallas is known for and what lucci ball is known for and that really allowed vancouver to kind of get into the match earlier in the match they were just trying to hit on hit on the counter, take advantage of just any any space or opportunities that they can get. But with FC Dallas playing that more cautious style, um, it allowed Vancouver to work up into the field. You commit numbers, and whenever turnovers happen, uh, high, at least higher in the field to Vancouver's perspective, so in the mm-hmm. Dallas defensive half, um, it's a whole lot easier for them just to easily shift their entire unit forward to commit numbers into the, into the box and uh, be threatening. So the when you look at the the lineups going into this match and the one before, probably the thing that jumps out the most is that that back line. Um, and I think in the in the prior match, you know, FC Dallas was able to kind of get away with it. Um, in this match, I mean, I think I felt like if you just kind of go through it. I thought Tafari still has had a pretty good two matches uh, over the last two matches. I think he's played within himself. Not not a ton going forward, but I think is. You know, with the limited time he's had as a MLS caliber or MLS starter, I think he's he's played quite well. Um, Brisson seemed to have you know a few. I mean, if we think about like what what an awesome you know spectacular start he had, you know, going to this season, really. I mean, he was he was winning starts away um, from Hedges right uh, early on in in uh, in the season. Right now, we've got. A time when you know he's he's kind of the most senior person across that back line, and I, I think overall did well. But I think that you know having him between you know a, a couple of rookies and just knowing the way that that he likes to play very aggressively, um, and and not having somebody like uh, Matt Hedges next to him who can clean up if there's a mistake or or uh, you know Martinez who understands who's played all those years and understands kind of positioning. I think it does definitely leave FC Dallas open on you know, on things like counters, right? Where you're having to make quick decisions, uh, and then you've also got you know on on the right hand side, you know, a, a center back, right, who's playing right back, um, and you know, overall, I mean, I think Shay. I, I mean, I guess, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, it seems like he's done pretty well. Uh. 
it's kind of a mixed bag, right? Because you want to reserve, I guess, critique and judgment um, for a player that's technically not playing his position. I know that a lot of the narrative has been, oh, well, Justin Che has played time with North Texas at right back, and he did the same with Bayern Munich too. But I mean, all he, he he's he's a center back, so um, he, what is good is that you can see that there are the moments where he's he's learning uh, and he's gotten better throughout the games just like uh in Kosi Tafare uh w- what's really been remarkable what stood out to me about in Kosi's performance is that uh just from four games ago when he got his first start he has definitely improved and you see that he's learning throughout each game and he's gotten uh better and better he's still that I'm a defensive first player but you see him starting to take more of those opportunities to carry the ball forward, to make those longer passes when given the opportunities. Um, and his progression and just willingness to learn, I think, is really good. Uh, you mentioned that with Brisson kind of being the most seniored player amongst the back line, um, that uh, it, it's a little it's a little difficult uh, kind of just his his roles. And I think context is a, a bit important for kind of just Brisson's performance in general. We we know that it's not the not the caliber that we saw at the beginning of the season for him. Um and granted he had he did have Matt Hedges and Jose Martinez next to him. Um earlier in the week Brisson was available to the media to discuss and he talked about how um he he feels like as one of the more seniored players on the team uh, he's doing a lot of mentoring and a lot of teaching, both in practice and you see it within on the field. You see him doing a lot of communication with Justin Che and Nkosi Tafari. Um, I and you know I think a part of it is just from his nature being the 28 year old center back trying to help out these younger guys, but then also I feel like there's a role that uh, is kind of he- headed handed down to him from the coaching staff, given the FC Dallas nature where you're playing these young kids to develop them. Um, it, it, Brisson kind of has uh, <laughs> twice twice the amount of responsibilities um, than arguably the regular uh, defender, right? He has to help these kids kind of get the positioning in these game scenarios in an environment where FC Dallas is struggling. So, you know, th- there's also that added pressure, plus being the defender that he is as well, versus if it was going to be a backline, let's say, of just Brisson, uh, Matt Hedges, Jose Martinez, and Ryan Hollingshead. All those guys are experienced. Yeah. They kind of all know exactly what their roles are. There's not going to be so much mentoring and, you know, the occasional, hey, make sure you watch this guy, but not so much of, hey, keep this in mind, keep this in mind, watch out for this while being the defender himself. And I think that's kind of just been the story for FC Dallas this season is just the injuries to the back line, this constant changing back line. Um, so, but that was also this kind of the, the, to be fair, that was also the the issues with Vancouver. They also had some defensive mistakes and that's kind of what this game was, was defensive mistakes, individual defensive mistakes and not really team, team-wide mistakes. No, I, I would agree. And just thinking about the the back line too, so one of the things to, to keep into consideration, we know that uh, Hedges and Martinez are probably out for at least at least a couple more games, maybe three more games, right? So for second two or three more weeks. Uh, and uh, one of the things that uh, was mentioned on the broadcast was that Brisson's also on, uh, has four yellow cards, which means if he does get another one, uh, he, he would be, you know, out, right? Um, and FC Dallas has nobody else, uh, really, that is a, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't have a natural center back on the bench yesterday, right? There are some things that Lucci could do around, you know, 
shifting Nelson over as a center back and have, putting Ryan back on the back line or something like that. So he's he's got some options, but I mean things are already thin, and I think that's that's something that uh, Rasan's going to have to be even more cognizant of as well. Is just you know he he can't put himself in a place where he commits and and, uh, and gets that yellow card and puts the the club even further behind. So it's as as we move into the game against the Galaxy, uh, you know, later this week. Um, and then the upcoming matches, it's another thing to to keep in mind. I will, the, the, there's two things I wanted to, to bring up real, real quick, Nico, um, that are throwbacks to some prior pods. So the, the first one is a bit of uh, eating crow on my part. So I did, uh, I think I joked on the last time we had a pod that uh, Justin Shea might be uh, in uh might be in the jersey, but he's not going to be on the field. Um, and obviously, was was very very wrong about that one. And we touched on that. The other the other piece uh, that I think we were right about was just talking about what a key difference maker it could be with Jesus coming back. Right, we were looking forward to just, you know two weeks ago and knowing Jesus was going to come back and saying, hey, you know, if there's anybody that's going to make a difference for this club or could make a difference for this club, uh, you know, Jesus kind of turning around would be would be significant. Uh, and we've We've seen that. Uh, so I mean, we've saw that that Jesus Pepe connection. Uh, I think I saw a, a, a I'll call it a stat on Twitter where it's like you know when uh, when uh, Pepe plays with Jesus, he's got you know th- three times more uh, goals uh, per ninety. Of course, you know there's the the sample size is ridiculously small. So I don't know if I'm going to go so far as to say it's a, a a great stat, but it's 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 interesting. Um, I get as we move up the field. I mean, what do you, what did you guys, uh, what do you think about the, the performance of, of Jesus and and uh, and Pepe as well? I think you just hit it. Uh, you hit it right out, right on the nail of the head. Wow, that was difficult to say. Um, <laughs> but um, I, 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 at least for me, kind of with the be, being an attacker, it's a lot of it is kind of uh, momentum and. Uh, kind of what your prior history was like in in preseason. A lot of the reports coming out in preseason was Jesus was on fire. He he had a lot of confidence behind him, uh, and that he was gonna. It seemed to be that twenty twenty one was gonna be an extremely good year for him, and he got that shoulder injury. Um, so some of the concern with Jesus returning is is he gonna still kind of have that momentum behind him when he returns to play in. Fortunate for SC Dallas fans, it definitely looks like he still has that momentum and fire with him and that confidence, which is great. That's exactly what you want. And, and that's kind of the player that Jesus is as well. He knows what his responsibilities is. He's going to go in and execute them to the best of his ability. Um, I know that <laughs> Luchi Gonzalez has drawn some criticism for uh, kind of this the the initial weird 9-10 role that we had, had seen earlier since 2019. But this year, it looks a whole lot better. I mean, you could definitely argue that it's kind of a two-striker system with Jesus playing underneath. Um, and it's a re- it's a really easy storyline for kind of the media to talk about, right? It's it's everything that you would want about an FC Dallas front line. It's two FC Dallas homegrowns playing together where they've had this connection for such a long time. And now it's transitioning to the first team and they're producing <laughs> with each other. And that's what Jesus and Pepe talked about last week after last week's game against the revolution. It's what 
Pepe talked about in this past week's media availability is just how those two are so comfortable playing with each other. I mean, they've they've known each other since their academy days. They have that connection. Uh, both are professionals. They know they they know what their responsibilities are. Both are hungry for goals. So it's everything that you would want as an FC Dallas fan with your two home homegrown players playing extremely well with each other, kind of being really the brightest spot of this FC Dallas offense. Yeah, in he was gone for for quite a while. I know Jesus is now gone. Uh, two matches in a row, I think, where he's gone the whole ninety. But the, you know, and part of that might be because it was a shoulder injury. It actually allowed him to continue to cardio work and running and that kind of stuff more than you would if it was, you know, a, obviously a lower body injury. Um, but it did seem like either something sh- shifted tactically, which I know there were some tactical shifts um, in the second half of uh, the, the match that, that Vancouver really sat back a lot more in that second half. Um, but it did seem like Jesus's impact on the, the, the match was significantly reduced, I think in the second half than in the first. And part of that might've been the changes of Vancouver. Part of that might've just been, you know, it's whatever temperature it's, you know, it's, it's a hot summer night for, a, you know, a guy who hasn't gone, um, 90 that many times the, so Great, great first half. I did think we saw a little bit come down, and I'm sorry, it was actually sorry. Ricarte came in uh, at the for for, for Jesus in this match, um, but I do I do wonder if we're going to now see that rotation a little bit more because Ricarte's kind of been the odd man out. So with this with this for this uh, formational shift, right? Um, we've seen you know his his minutes go way down, uh, and I don't necessarily know if it's you know, he's Ricarte was playing you know badly. Uh, I think there was many times when he was leading the team in, in key passes, right, and really seemed to be making a difference. It was just that the um, the, the people who was making those passes too were unable to, uh, you know, finish the chances, right? We've talked a lot about about expected goals and expected assists on this team, right, and how how off it is. Um, I guess for that second half, I mean, maybe I'll go real quick myself. It's hard to take away a lot because. Number one, Vancouver was playing a lot more compact. And then number two, you know, until that last, you know, 10, 15 minutes when FC Dallas was just pushing everything forward. And they 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 shifted formations like three or four times um in 45 minutes. Uh and it's and it was hard to tell. I mean, you, you could see what, what Lucci was doing, and you could see how the he was trying to introduce new personnel and kind of fit them in the best place. But it never really seemed like the team was playing as cohesively in the second half as what we saw in the first half. Do you, do you think that that's, do you think that's legs? Do you think that's tactical shift? Do you think that's, you know, some of these, I guess the multiple formation changes, did you see something Nico that you can take away from that second half? I, you, you hit it. Um, wow. I got to come up with a different phrase. I was going to say hit it on the head again. Uh, that's not, that's not clever. That, that's bad. That's bad writing. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to quote Paxton Pomichol. It's difficult when Vancouver has all 11 players behind the ball. I mean, yep. uh, Ricarte and Pomichol were both brought in kind of, and Dante Sealy. Let's see. Pomichol, Dante Sealy, Franco Jara, Andres Vircaute, um, were all brought in for, to create opportunities and to score goals. And it's really difficult when Vancouver has all 11 players behind the ball. Um, but Paxton kind of did mention that 
the way they were going to go about it was having these quicker passing, these quicker passing combinations, playing vertical balls to switch the direction of attack. And when they did do that, going back to the what FC Dallas is known for, and they've practiced for so long, they did create opportunities, at least more threatening, more successful opportunities um, versus where after after Vancouver, after Vancouver scored that first goal in the first half, they just played such a cautious game. Um, and with, uh, and I did want to bring up that Jesus and Pepe really play off each other. And noticeably, Jesus was playing extremely deep, way deeper into the field than uh, you would have would have liked. And kind of what you saw within the um, uh, New England game. And Jesus is looking for those balls, and it's hard when. If you're going to have two players that play off each other, you ideally want to have them a little bit closer versus Jesus having to carry the ball and allowing Vancouver to then retreat back. And then Jesus having to play play the ball up to Pepe versus those two just right there with wherever they are in the field. Let's play those two and then really cause havoc to the Vancouver back line. So with it's a little bit of combination of all of that, right? FC Dallas being a little too cautious. Um, Vancouver already having that lead and being content to sit behind the ball to protect that lead because they're going into that game not having a win and very close to coming to their or I should say not having their first road win so coming very close to their first road win um it's kind of a confluence of that uh in it, I it in some regard it's just FC Dallas kind of hurting really hurt themselves within the second half of the first half by being too cautious um they, while they were really the more uh, threatening team throughout the, the game, at least in terms of chance creation, um, that, that was kind of one of the big takeaways that Lucci did have is how they did continue to attack throughout the whole 90 minutes. Um, if in a majority of their shots were within the side of the box, if, if looking at the shot count, right, I want to say that's what 13, so 17 total shots, eight on target, uh, five off target. So <laughs> you got more than half of their yeah. shots that are actually on target and four of them being blocked. So that's indicative of Vancouver just wanting to concede space and really protect that box. So it, it and, and made it harder to, viewing to in the second too. half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Crapo had an absolutely amazing game too. I mean, <laughs> you would think it could, really FC Dallas could have been up five, but he stopped some really good chances too. Yeah, in the, in the in the second half, I know that there was you know a few really good chances. Uh, that uh, I think uh, there was a corner where Hollingshead um, got on the end of it and it was blocked off, kind of a one handed I think save. Um, then there was a you know an Acosta free kick. Um, we did it twice during the match. I right? just you know got it on goal with pace. Right in in both times it was it was saved that I think you know Tafari had a a a wide left kind of miss right all there there FC Dallas came on in the second half very active um and then it seemed like yeah there's this this huge lull until you know a bunch of personnel changes were made and then FC Dallas was you know obviously at the end uh you know when you're down uh when you're down 2 to 1 you just throw everything forward and you know they got got the opportunity to you know create a, an an unfortunate for Vancouver but fortunate for FC Dallas own goal um, to draw even and you know change the change the momentum a little bit was there was there anybody that jumped out so we had you know Paxton came on we saw I think uh Seeley that was his longest run out of this of the the season so we saw him for about 
30 minutes. Did any, I guess, if any of the, the second half uh, changes, uh, anybody jump out to you to say, hey, I want to see this guy start next week? Or you think that uh, there's some changes that Lucci needs to make going forward? Oof. As in terms of start, I guess I would kind of come down between um, uh, Pomacol and Ricarte as <laughs> Acosta's replacement. Um, I know that the Gold Cup starts on the 10th, so there, it is likely that um, Acosta's last game c- could be that LA game um, on Wednesday. But it's really, you would think, kind of between those two players, Paxton and Andres, to replace Acosta's position within the midfield. But is it? Well, but there, there, there's that piece, and then I know there's also, I think, you know, if we, when you look at the performance of the starting 11, there's. I think a lot of people, uh, myself included, who haven't been super enthusiastic w- with what's been coming out of uh, uh, Obreon and feel like it's 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 time for a change there, right? And so, <laughs> you know, you know Celia, I was hoping I would see a lot for him. He actually had, I think, his, he had quite a few duels won, I think, in, in the 30 minutes that he was on, if I remember right, the, the, the stats. Um, but, you know, it's... You know, game state matters, right? And so it's hard to tell, right, how a uh, a winger would have performed if you know things were a bit more open than they were there at the end, right? Where uh, Vancouver is playing really compact. Um, so I mean, that's that's the one area to me. Other than yes, I think they cost a change out. I think they've got Lucci has options. I, I don't know at at right wing. I mean, they don't have another natural right winger, believe it or not, on this team really. Um, so that, you know, so they could put. Sealy there, they could put call there, they could put uh Sabo Shon. That's the guy I was like, I was like what is <laughs> yep. I was like that Shon, I mean, they he, could put you could put Shon out there. Um that scared me though. Shon with uh with Che behind him, uh who's who's done a lot of going forward and has played at well, but it's not he's you can tell he's young, right? His his one on one defending is is not great, right? And so uh we I we know Shon's one on one defending also is not great. So having those two guys on the right side uh, would worry me a little bit, so you might have to make some other changes. But that's, I I, I think that I am ready to see uh, Hader O'Brien sitting on the bench at least this next match. Luke, you can say it's for rotation and for legs or whatever, but uh, I think it's I think it's I think it's time. <laughs> if Twitter is a uh... A a proper sam- <laughs> barometer, <laughs> there you go, or proper te- sample size. I think all of Twitter agrees with you right there. Um, I mean, Freddie Vargas is back with the team, so you could also kind of give him a shot as well. Uh, Shun is back with the team. Uh, you could give Dante Sealy a start as well. Uh, so there's definitely options. And I think with the loss, uh, you mentioned earlier, just you know, with FC Dallas coming with the win. From uh, New England, you you don't want to change a winning formula, um, and if there is any, I guess positive from this game is that uh, it, it it does afford uh, Luchi Gonzalez an opportunity to kind of switch up the lineup. Um, I mean, he can switch up the lineup after a, a, a win if you want, but you you could argue how that impacts the locker room. But yeah, I think the winger situation is as it has been for quite some time with FC Dallas. Is what, what's what's the best combination there? Um, I I think it'd be and I'd be interested to see Freddie Vargas kind of come back in. I I'm still personally really high on him, given how successful he was with the preseason and 
then come into the regular season still trying to adjust with those FC Dallas tactics where the players in preseason had more individual freedom to kind of play their own game versus in the season is, hey, we have a system. Let's try to stick to this system. So personally, I think it'd be cool to see Freddie Vargas back into the lineup, um, slowly start working and shooting into the lineup as well. It's the player that everyone at the club has been very high on. So for me, that's I kind of have high expectations for that player just from everyone from Dan Hunt down to the coaching staff has been extremely high on that kid. So if you're very high on, on a player and excited about a player that supposedly that Chelsea was interested in, <laughs> yep. kind of have to get on, onto the, onto the field and, um, and, and give him, give him his runs. But, uh, yeah. And honestly, I, th- I think this one nice thing though, is that I think of the last couple of matches, this four, two, three, one or four, four, one, one or whatever it is. Right. Um, I do think it's a, it's a formation that, uh, obviously it's, it's unlocked some stuff for FC Dallas. Um, it's also alleviated the kind of the some of the double wing conundrum because they've really, I mean, yes, they put Hollingshead up there, but he was at, at, at left wing. Um, but I think it's it's opened up some opportunities potentially for Lucci to play uh, some other players. I think the biggest thing for me though is I, I feel like this is a formation that uh, Lucci could take on the road, uh, which there, he's going to be doing a lot and potentially get some results from right because it feels it feels a bit more a bit more balanced versus you know what Lucci's done in the past a lot of times which is going to the to the the five-man back line uh which you know is, would be a tough thing to do right now when you're you you have one you know maybe two center backs um to to just make that switch so that, you, we've seen a lot of positive obviously you know as we're looking forward maybe you haven't seen a lot of positives you know that's our 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 uh our level for uh for optimism i guess it doesn't take much you know one win and a tie at home is like all right we're doing good uh but uh you know it's it's about to get really hard right so you know fc dallas is about to go on the road where they've got no points this year out of four matches they've got a total of one goal in four matches um, and they're about to play five of six on the road and not only on the road, but it's against, you know, the galaxy Colorado, where they always seem to have problems. Um, SKC, Seattle, Portland. I mean, those are not, those are not places where on a normal year you would expect FC Dallas to go away and, and, and get a win. I think the only home game in that whole stretch is, uh, is a home home match against, uh, against the galaxy. I uh, kind of you know, that's the the fourth game, right, or the third game, and that uh, one, two, not sorry, four, fourth out of the six games um, is is home against LA Galaxy. So it's man, it's a tough stretch coming up, and the very first one of these is against the Galaxy, who who did actually just lose on the fourth of July as well. Uh, I watched a bit of that match, the uh, SKC um, kind of pulled away, kind of too late late goals. I, I, LA was actually probably the better team uh, through the majority of that match. But in the end, it's all about who scores. Uh, the one positive Nico thinking about that match uh, on Wednesday night is we know that Chicharito who uh, has scored 10 of the LA galaxy goals was a kind of a late scratch for the last match. Uh, I haven't seen anything in particular as to what that was. Um, but you know, there's, I guess as FC Dallas fans, we can hope that he's still out on Wednesday. There goes, um, there, there goes the, the marketing. 
at least my marketing of USA and FC Dallas in Mexico on LA, LA Galaxy. No, but, oh, geez. I think it's something we talked about in our preview pod where go, kind of breaking down the schedule is, man, that this is... FC Dallas needed to take advantage of their home games, and, you know, you could argue that they didn't. <laughs> they didn't gather all the points that they needed. And, I mean, LA Galaxy on, on the road... It, it's the LA Galaxy, the most winningest team in, in MLS, uh, just in front of FC Dallas. So as the, my friends at third degrees have on one of their t-shirts, FC Dallas better than you think. <laughs> but uh, that's going to be a tough game. And then Portland, who currently outside of the playoff spot, and I think early, the early part of their season was a bit derailed just by um, CONCACAF Champions League, which surprisingly, we're still in the semifinals. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, that's going to be hard. It's Portland and Timbers Army. Then you got Colorado where they boo the left back. So poor Ryan Hollingshead <laughs> or Johnny Nelson. <laughs> it's going to be Johnny Nelson this time. Yes. <laughs> and then you got LA Galaxy at home, which that's going to be a, uh, uh, I think, a well-attended game uh, at home. Maybe not for, for FC Dallas, but it's going to be a well-attended game. And then SKC, top of the West. Um, I would argue a bigger rival to FC Dallas in Houston. I mean, oh man, Peter Grimes and playing yep. at Child Mercy, Children's Mercy Park. That's always a tough game. Uh, that one tends to boil my blood a bit more than Houston games do. And then because Seattle Houston is always has just been so <laughs> bad lately that it's it's hard to get excited for. <laughs> and then then uh, Seattle away, which is FC Dallas's playoff boogie team. So that's also difficult. So it. Man, it's going to be a tough next six games with five being on the road. Oh, for sure. Um, and, and, we're, and we're coming out of really, if you go back and you look at the schedule that FC Dallas has played so far, and this is this was the easy portion of the of the whole season, right? Yeah. They, maybe the last few games are are, are okay, but yeah, FC Dallas being uh, with having having two wins at this point in the season is uh is 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 not great. Uh, I think that you know. I I don't know what what point we just get excited about the the kids are being played and say hey this is a a development year I don't I don't think that time has come yet but uh, yeah if if Lucci doesn't uh, right the ship pretty soon um it's gonna come I say that even knowing that somehow with as horrible as uh, FC Dallas has played I think they're within like I think it was five points of fifth place so like that so it's it wouldn't take much to turn it around. Um, but you know, yeah, looking, looking at the schedule coming up, um, that feels like, I mean, FC Dallas could, could easily come away with two or three points out of those six games. And that's, that's hard to say. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, geez, you would, you would kind of hope that on a, on a, uh, on a better year, let, let, let's put it that way on a better year you could at least hope for draws at least in all of these away games but la you know just i'm gonna go through them face value la maybe a draw maybe a point maybe portland portland being outside of i mean la's third portland being eighth just outside of the playoff spot maybe a draw as well i mean you you won in penalties uh in last playoffs so there's definitely that uh, Colorado, Colorado's tends to be <laughs> on either end of the spectrum. So it could go really well. It could also go very bad. 
Uh, LA at home, I mean, it's a home game. You have to you have to win those games. So I think the team will be motivated. SKC, personally, I don't have any any hope for that one. Nor do I have for Seattle. So that's what one, two, three. So, so your optimistic view is six six points. points. Yeah, six points and six six games. points and six games, which would which be a, about on par with their which is par for what FC Dallas is doing. FC Dallas is averaging one point per game. <laughs> so there, there, there we go. The 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 mathematics and the formula work out. <laughs> Um, there is, so the, you know, there's, there's the game on Wednesday. There is no game for, uh, FC Dallas on this weekend coming up. However, there is a, a home game, I believe for North Texas on Saturday, uh, a big one. I think it's Ford Madison that's coming up, uh, this, this weekend, uh, Nico, you want to give us the, you know, the 92 second update. I will not time you because I was going to say <laughs> I am much nicer than Dustin. You could you could give us a recap and talk about the Ford Madison game if you would like. Oh, definitely. I was going to say Dustin's not here, so he doesn't That's have right. his little music or timer. But I think he is the one editing, so he could just very well cut me off at 92 seconds. <laughs> exactly. And the poor pod listener could miss out on a bunch of good information. But <laughs> yeah, no, um, let's see. North Texas uh, Soccer Club did travel out to Richmond, Virginia to play the Richmond Kickers. Um, both teams also in the bottom half, well, I guess bottom bottom third of the table, uh, both sides kind of struggling at least kind of to create any sort of form, uh, really trying to gather some momentum. F- FC Dallas, North Texas SC did, uh, coming from the international break, having that really positive performance against uh, Greenville Triumph. And then not so much after after those games. Um, they did get off to the early scoring. Uh, actually, with Kazu playing on the... So Kazu, instead of playing within the back line, was moved up as to the left wing and did get the opening goal. Um, and it, it was back and forth on the goals exchange. So then uh, Richmond scored and then Imanol... Uh, Imanol also known as Ima Gol, for at least for this game, Ima Golasso <laughs> Almaguer <laughs> did get the second goal with a nice uh, outside of the foot uh, curler to give him the two-one lead. And then uh, North Texas, he did give up a penalty that, you know, f- from a North Texas perspective, you might say it definitely wasn't a penalty. I can see how it could be called either way, um, but a very very back and forth match, and then <laughs> the Richmond getting extremely lucky with a a what I would assume was a cross that kind of went over Colin Shuttler, hit the post, and just went in for that third goal. But uh, it was definitely a very back-and-forth match for uh, the kickers and North Texas. Uh, really could have gone either way. North Texas, uh, really the biggest takeaway for North Texas is just the team mentality. They were consistent throughout the entire game. They didn't have these high and low moments. They were consistent continuously to press uh throughout the the whole game and you know one of the criticisms with uh usl league one is the quality of refereeing and i would have to say that this was honestly one of the best uh one of the better ones if not one of the best uh so credit to the referee on that regard really doing a good job to manage the match both teams really going at it too so he, he did have a uh hard game uh to call but unfortunate for north texas to kind of give up a game where it really could have gone either way uh but the the mentality from the team was definitely a big positive, and like you said, they they are returning home to play in their El Plastico Derby uh, against Ford Madison. 
So that's that's always a good game, just at least from the social media perspective. I'm sure Garrett's going to have a lot of fun with that exchanging with Ford Madison. Ford Madison having a terrific brand. Um, they are, unfortunately, the, the closer USL League One team to me now. <laughs> now that I'm here in uh, Lansing, Michigan, rip, rip Lansing Ignite. Um, but yeah, that should be definitely be a fun game. I, I, at least from the media perspective will be fun just because of the El Plastico Derby aspect. So for people who aren't kind of keeping up with the, the overall USL league one this year, I guess, where does, where does North Texas sit in the standings? Are they, uh, but I think, I think right now they've been close to the bottom or like level of the 12th. I mean, is there, is there a, uh, a chance this year you think of them making a big run and, and, and making it to the playoffs. I know that, uh, you know, obviously, you know, year one, they got that championship and I think they kind of set a really high bar. Um, and you know, last year was a very weird year, right. Just for, for all, all leagues because of COVID and stuff. Is there, I mean, with, with their form, do you, do you feel like you've got the, the, that the team has a chance of making a run and kind of getting into the playoffs? That's a really good point. So currently they sit in 11th, which is just second above uh, last place with 11 points. Um, And this year it's the top six teams that qualify for the playoffs. So Ford Madison is actually (laughs) number six. Uh, So North Texas is five points behind from being in a playoff spot. So at least there's that um, closeness similar to the FC Dallas situation. Um, But you did mention how in 2019 they kind of did set that standard in 2019, they were really uh, fortunate to have guys like Callum Montgomery, Brandon Cervania, Brian Reynolds, Johnny Nelson, a bunch of FC Dallas players playing with the team. And that was the goal for this team, right, is to have some of these more fringe FC Dallas players at least get some minutes, uh, valuable minutes, just to get them repetitions playing in competitive matches to help their development. 2020 was a really unfortunate year where they lost that due to the pandemic. And I think that really hurt the club quite a bit because it's, they really had a thin roster in that aspect and really hoping to rely on the FC Dallas players. Now in 2021, uh, though actually going back to 2020, they, North Texas almost made the playoffs. I mean, it really came down to USL's version of decision day. Uh, They needed help around the league. I think, um, well, I th- want to say it was uh, R- Richmond needed to win or at least hold a draw, which that result the, happened. Well, the top two or top three made it last Exactly. Year. Yep. So the they needed that to go their way. Um, and then I think Omaha was about to lose or draw uh, up until their last minute goal, which forced North Texas out. And But North Texas had an amazing last game and very close to making the top because it was just the top two teams that were going to play in a final. So North Texas barely missing it out, finishing in third. Uh, and then this year, you know, that more, more teams in the playoffs, uh, an expanded league, which is always good for the league itself. But um, I am personally still having a lot of hope for this team. Um, I didn't have too much hope with uh, North Texas in 2020. Um, and just kind of comparing, comparing the two two seasons there is just so many things that really did not go north texas's way yeah they got a bunch of draws which kind of did help because at least you're getting points but uh the performances were all over the place um some the player player situations as well a lot of players leaving or having to uh be let go just to off field situations um but this year they north texas has a roster that they can rely upon themselves 
Um, you would hope that more FC Dallas players might come in and help with at least the quality of play and their standings. But um, I do have a lot of hope for this team. Uh, there's a lot of individual talent, and that's been really kind of the biggest struggle for North Texas this year is how to get this individual talent to play as a unit. And North Texas has made progress towards that. Yeah, sometimes they've made two steps, three steps forward, and then one or two steps back. But at least it's still a net forward progression, um, as indicative with this Richmond game. Uh, they are definitely making progress. Results definitely haven't gone their way. Um, but that's kind of part of having a very young team. Uh, a very young team and a team that with a, with a huge roster turnover every year, right? Where exactly you know, yep. building that building that cohesion, right? You, they've even got players that have recently I mean, signed, even what, two or three weeks ago, had new players coming in. So it's it's I think it's definitely been difficult for Quill to get a consistent performance. I think that's the biggest thing. It's just inconsistent week in week out, where uh, they'll have have a good match and then the next one will will not be. Uh, will be a you know a, a a bad performance, but you know for people who uh, want to get some local soccer fix in game, uh, it's it's supposed to be a great. I've still not gone to the stadium myself uh, to to Globe Bike Park. It's supposed to be a, a great venue. You'll have an opportunity this Saturday to go out and watch a, an in person game while FC Dallas has the the weekend off. And in fact, uh, with FC Dallas having the weekend off, I would not be surprised if there's one or two uh, FCD players that are on that roster. Um, trying to get some get some minutes. We'll see. And so they'll be coming back from a midweek game. Maybe that changes a, a few things. But gotta gotta get your uh, gotta get your soccer your soccer fix over the weekend. So pay attention to that. Uh, Nico, thanks, man. This was uh, this was fun. Thanks for for joining in. And uh, you know, thank you, DSS listeners, for uh, kind of hanging out with us. Listen to some soccer talk. Uh, hopefully you're feeling a little bit more positive about the result this week. And hopefully if you're listening to this on Thursday, you're celebrating a win uh, against the Galaxy. Uh, as, as you heard us uh, both, we're highly predicting that. Um, just remember, Chicharito is not there. <laughs> hopefully, maybe. As always, you can find us at DallasSoccerShow.com, TheStrikerTexas.com, or on Twitter at Dallas Soccer Show. Until next week, thanks and take care.